I have made some huge mistakes as a freelance writer, and today we're going to talk about some of them. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. Okay, y'all, so a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode on the the top mistakes that I see new freelance writers make, and it got a ton of feedback and a big response. So I thought, well, let's talk a little bit more about this, and I will go into some of the massive mistakes that I have made because my freelance writing career and business decision-making process has certainly not been perfect. <laughs> and there have been times when it has been not only not perfect, but really ineffective, really poor, kind of counterproductive. So if you find yourself, if you can identify yourself or your habits or your pattern or your trajectory in any of these things I'm about to talk about, don't worry, you're not alone. I've done it too. We can all be goobers and doofuses (laughs) at various points and no one is a super slick genius from start to finish. So I'm right there with you. So today, as I'm recording this, it is a beautiful, hot August day in North Carolina, and the lantana is blooming right outside my window, and the crepe myrtle, I've got a bunch of crepe myrtles in my yard. If you don't know what a crepe myrtle is, it's a tree you find often in the south with a lot of really colorful blooms, and you can find them anywhere from white through all ranges of pink into purples, and I've got kind of one of each (laughs) in my yard. Um, we've got the, the lantana, um, mine is like orange and pinks, um, a little bit of yellow. And I've got one of those purple butterfly bushes too. Um, and so I'm very distracted today because we have all the big, beautiful butterflies that I have not learned yet how to identify, but it's on my list. Um, I bought some field guides earlier this year because I knew we were probably going to be homeschooling, um, my oldest at the very least. So I got some field guides. We have a lot of like nature in our yard. Um, so, um, being in the, in central, like Piedmont, North Carolina, which means the middle of the state, not the mountains, not the beach. We call it the Piedmont. Um, I got guides to the trees. I got guides to the, like the edible, um, flora, I guess you would call it edible plants and berries and stuff. Um, I have a guide to the birds that we might see in the yard, um, and I'd like to get a guide to the insects, even though, uh, y'all, I have to apologize. I have bugs on the brain because this morning we found a massive, uh, I kid you not, he was probably five or six inches long praying mantis on the side of the garage up, you know, in the walkway where we kind of hang out in the mornings. I have this like patio walkway thing, right? That goes alongside the garage. And we have this massive praying mantis. And so now I'm thinking about bugs. And then I've got all these butterflies flitting outside my window. I don't know why I'm talking to you about this. It's just what's on the brain, I guess. Um, So one of the mistakes I wanted to talk about today is not distractibility. (laughs) But that is something that has been a common thread through my entire writing career. I get distracted. Shiny object syndrome 
is kind of a thing with me. Um, and if you stick with it long enough, shiny object object syndrome can actually make you pretty versatile. It, you can have you can develop this like breadth of knowledge and experience and you know all this stuff. If you've read the book Range, which I recommend, I like that book, um, then you understand why it can be valuable to know to know some stuff about a lot of different stuff and not just to burrow down and only know stuff about your one specific thing. So after 10 years, I can look back and it, and I'm kind of okay with all the distraction and stuff, but in the moment, it's not always a good thing. So now that I've rambled for five minutes, let's talk about <laughs> the actual mistakes I have on my list here that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, okay, so the first one I want to say, and this is the reason why I rail against this, and I know I say this all the time, but if you listen to me for any length, if you've been hanging out with me for any length of time on any platform, you know that I think social media marketing for freelance writers is not the thing that you need to be focusing on in the beginning. Even though everyone out there is going to tell you, you need to be active here, and you need to be there, and you need to be visible, and you need to have... Um, relevant content that you're sharing and you need to give value and blah, 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 blah. That stuff is certainly a worthwhile endeavor. But when you are at the very, very, very beginning, it is not where you should be spending your time. Where you should be spending your time is validating yourself in this career. Can you actually make money as a writer? That's the first question. So you answer that by going out and finding work. You don't answer that by setting up a Facebook page. <laughs> A Facebook page will support you in your visibility efforts and in your outbound marketing efforts, which are things that I want you to be doing at some point. They're not the things I want you to be doing if you have not landed a client yet. Um, so one thing that I did a lot of because everyone told me to. There, so let me let me back that up. There was not a whole lot of discussion out there about how to get started as a freelance service provider back when I got started. Um, so there wasn't a ton of advice, but the limited advice that I had was to be active on Twitter, be active on Facebook, make sure that you have a blog with posts that your prospective clients would want to read, make sure your blog is circulating on Pinterest, and also you need to have an email list where you can send relevant content, you know, valuable stuff to your um to your prospects, which means I needed to have a lead magnet and I needed to be promoting this stuff across all the channels. Oh, LinkedIn, I think was the other one that I haven't mentioned. Now I will say LinkedIn is not a bad idea. Set up a LinkedIn profile. You can always go back and improve it. It doesn't have to be the perfect jaw dropping, you know, showstopper, highly professional, super slick, perfect LinkedIn pro profile when you've been doing this for three weeks. All right, just put up a profile, make it as good as you can and come back to it in a couple of months when you have a little bit more experience and something to show for yourself. But all that other stuff, you can totally drop it. Now, I do recommend that you plug in on Facebook into writer communities and into the communities where your um, prospective clients might be hanging out. I have at least one episode of the podcast about that. So if you're new here and you haven't listened to all the archives Scroll back and see if you can find the ones about how to find clients on Facebook and, you know, how to market on Facebook, something like that. It'll have Facebook in the title. It's a good way to plug in without having to um, perform. It's a lot more of a natural way to develop yourself and develop your kind of your business persona 
with with again without having the pressure of quote I th- I've, it, to me it feels like performance where I have to post a value post in this group and post a value post on my profile and you know have some kind of slick interaction in my Facebook group and you know all I, I hate that stuff I just want to be me I want to be maybe the business version of me or the course creator version of me or just the down home Ashley sounds like a southerner today me <laughs> I'm really tired y'all and when I get really really tired I think my accent comes out I can hear it in my ears anyway um I just derailed myself. Talk about being distracted. Um, I guess all I want to convey to you with this point is don't waste time on social media presence and content marketing. Um, do spend time. If you enjoy being on social media, use that time to build relationships. Get to know other freelance writers. Come hang out in my group. You'll get to know me a little bit. And if I like, if I see you posting and commenting, I know who you are. And I have probably checked you out. I might have tried to go to your website. Um, Just FYI. (laughs) I have students that I will sometimes send work to because I'm familiar with what they do. And I, you know, I know that they're a decent writer. And if I get an opportunity that's not right for me um, or someone can't afford me and they could probably afford someone who is not as, uh, whose rates aren't as high as mine, I'll refer them out. So come hang out in my group. It might benefit you. (laughs) I don't really talk like that most of the time. Um, uh, Yeah. So what I'm saying is interact on social media in a way that's natural. If you find ways to be helpful, be helpful. If you find something that you think is really interesting, share it. Um, But mostly what I would want you to do is focus on building real connections, getting to know other freelance writers, getting to know other freelance service providers who are not writers or who are not the type of writer that you are, um, and begin to get to know the people who might become your clients. That is, I think, a worthwhile endeavor. If you're going to be on Facebook, you might as well do it in a way that is constructive for business and is not just looking for cat videos and chicken recipes. (laughs) Okay. So don't do what I did. Don't focus on content marketing because it is exhausting. And when you are just getting started and you don't have any clients, it's really not the thing that you need to be focusing on. You need to be focusing on finding work. Okay, the next thing, the next big mistake that I made um, is reading about marketing instead of actually doing marketing. So that means, and when I say marketing, a lot of folks who are new to this kind of shudder because marketers have a really bad reputation. And to a large extent, marketers have earned themselves a really bad reputation. So I'm not saying boo on you for thinking marketing is bad because, okay, well, I just had a big coughing fit that I cut out. (laughs) If I sound different, that's why. Um, Yes, so marketing has, we have, marketers have earned themselves a bad reputation for being pushy, for being manipulative, for being all about the sale, and just sort of wanting to extract as many dollars out of your wallet as possible. And there are a lot of marketers like that, and a lot of advertising agencies, you know, kind of feel like that, because it is all about the sales. You know, we're all looking for what we call conversion. Even me, I sell courses, I want people to buy them, but what makes People like me, so there are marketers and then there are marketers with integrity. And there's actually a really interesting discussion going on in the world of internet marketing, well, at least in a pocket of the world of internet marketing, about the difference between 
marketers with integrity and marketers who are out to make a sale. And the marketers with integrity are selling products to people that they care about, products that they stand behind, whether it's an info product or a physical product or training or, you know, whatever it is, a pair of shoes, I don't know. But they're doing it with integrity. Um, anyway, I've gone way off the rails again. <laughs> I don't know what's gotten into me today. Um, but... Uh, let me let me let me bring it back in. What I want what I want you to do is warm up to the fact that you need to become a marketer if you want to be a freelance service provider. And I'm not saying you need to like specialize in digital marketing and, and like learn all the things and funnels and sales copy and webinars and like all that stuff. No, I'm not saying that you need to be doing all of that. I am saying that you need to get your head around the fact that marketing is simply putting your thing in front of people. And if you're a good marketer, then you know how to put your thing in front of the right people. So you know where to find the people, you know the kinds of things that they would be interesting in buying or, you know, exchanging an email address for, and you know how to communicate with them in a way that they can hear. That is marketing. So when you're a freelance writer, you need to market yourself. You need to be putting yourself out there. The work 98% of the time, the work is not going to fall in your lap. Now, there are times when it will fall in your lap. My first gig kind of fell in my lap. I was just talking. Um, I just recorded a podcast with Gina Horky that's going to come out maybe in September, maybe October. I actually don't remember the published date. Anyway, um, she was asking about my first gig. My first gig basically fell in my lap, <laughs> but that was the only one. Then I had to actually go out and find work, and it was really, really hard for me. It was a really big struggle because... Um, all the advice out there was phrased as how to market yourself. Um, and that made me shudder because I didn't want to market myself. I thought marketing was bad. I'm, you know, I didn't think of myself as a marketer. I didn't want to be a marketer. I just wanted to find clients. So that's why a lot of what I talk about is it's more about how to find clients, how to get work, you know, how to land work, how to do this other stuff. I'm teaching you how to market yourself without calling it that, because I know that a lot of us have this really strong, not positive reaction to the idea of marketing ourselves. <laughs> but that's a mistake. <laughs> that was a big mistake. The, the sooner you come around to the fact that you need to market yourself, the easier it's going to be for you to find the information that you need. Um, if you really understand marketing yourself as, you know, marketing myself equals putting myself in front of the right people who will hire, you know, putting myself in front of people who would hire me. That's all you're doing when you market yourself. You're putting yourself in front of people who would hire you. And so then your job becomes, who are the people? Where can I find them? And how do I get in front of them most effectively? That's all you got to do. Um, and it's really easy to think about the ways to do this, read about ways to do this, talk about ways to do this, and not actually do any of it. <laughs> so um, don't fall into either of those traps. Don't fall into the trap of avoiding marketing yourself and thinking that there are ways that the work can come to you. There are ways that the work will come to you, but they take a really long time to pay off if you're not being active and deliberate about it. That's why I want you to build relationships. That is the fastest way to get work to come to you. Um, but it is a form of marketing. So um the point that I'm trying to make here is you need to 
you need to be doing. You need to be doing it. You need to stop reading about it and thinking about it and finding ways to avoid it and to actually start doing it. So start pitching. Start being present. Um, start telling people what you do. Change, you know, your information. Change how you present yourself. Anyone who enrolls in Clips Camp, the first thing I want them to do is change their email signature to say that they're a freelance writer. Why? Because that is how you market yourself. You claim this identity, I'm a freelance writer, and then you go out and you tell people. And that's what marketing is. It's, it's a doing thing. You have to be doing it. I want you to be doing it. Okay, I think we have covered that <laughs> point pretty extensively. Let's move on. The next big mistake that I made, um, I used, I made this mistake for a really long time and then I swung to the opposite end of the spectrum, um, and did it too much. <laughs> and now I try to be really balanced. This mistake is not buying the right training that I needed at the right time. Now I did end up buying some of the right training, but I also spent some money on the wrong training. And the bigger my business got, especially last year when I had a lot of money coming in, um, the easier it became for me to buy stuff I didn't need. I probably spent thousands of dollars on stuff that I didn't really need. And I liked it. I li Maybe I liked the person who made it or I'd wanted to work with them for a while or I thought this program had the answers that I needed. And then I got in and it didn't really have the answers I needed, but I had managed to, you know, get into a non-refundable program. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but in the beginning, I really did not want to buy anything. I didn't want to buy any training. It was really, really difficult for me to feel good about spending money on training. My thought was, if I can find it on Google, why would I pay for it? And I'm sure that a lot of y'all have thought that too. I hear it a lot. It's a question I get. Um, if you go to my Clips Camp sales page, you'll even see in the FAQs, I say straight up, all of this information can be found on Google if you spend enough time digging. Anything can be found on Google. And the benefit of doing a training that I failed to realize for a really long time, the benefit of doing a training is that you save yourself so much time. So Clips Camp is $27. And you can go through the program probably in a couple of hours. And then doing the work is going to take you a few more hours um, to do the homework and to write your portfolio. Um, but once you go through the program, you know what to write. You know what you're doing. It's just a matter of doing it. And, and you can do that in a couple of hours in exchange for $27. Or you can spend the next four months trying to figure it out all by yourself um, and doing a bunch of things wrong, which is what I did, which is why it took me so long to see any kind of significant income from this. We were like below the poverty line. My income would have qual qualified me for every government service out there <laughs> for a number of years because I was doing it wrong because I thought I had to figure it out all by myself. And that was a boo-boo. That was a mistake. Um, that was a big mistake. I could have gone a lot further, a lot faster if I had found the right training and if I had been willing to give myself permission to go for it. I could have saved so much time and I had could have been on the money-making train so much faster. So don't make that mistake. If you have the money and if there is any way that you can possibly make it work and you know that this training is going to give you the answers that you need to leapfrog yourself and make that much more progress then do yourself a favor and go for it. I mean, it, it just makes such a big difference. 
Um, and if, you know, I think I have an episode about this too, about how to know if that course is the right idea. So go listen to that. But one thing I want to mention too, is that if you're considering something and you think it might be right for you, but you're not really sure, number one, look for the refund policy. If there's a refund policy, there is absolutely no risk to you to getting in. Um, so, so you can buy it, check it out, take a couple of days to check it out. Um, and if it really isn't what you think you need or what you expected, get the refund. There's no, there's no problem with getting a refund. There's no shame in doing a refund. But the other thing that you can do if you have hangups about asking people for a refund, um, which is something that they have already offered to you, you're basically just accepting it. Um, but if you don't want to do that, the other thing you can do is talk, you send an email to the person who's selling this training. And like, we, we want your questions. We want to know what you're thinking. We want to know what you're wondering. Um, so go ahead and um, send that email and get your questions answered. Um, and it can be really helpful. Okay, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Um, number four out of five, the, the, four, uh, the fourth big mistake I made on this list of five is letting new or like new to me, unfamiliar writing formats intimidate me instead of figuring out how to do them. I started with blog posts because it's what people were hiring me to do. Um, and I felt pretty comfortable with it. When people started asking me if I did sales pages or like marketing brochures or, um, I don't know, email sequences and stuff like that for a really long time, I would, I would say, no, that's not what I do. And I'd turn down that work. I turned down thousands of dollars worth of work because I was intimidated and I was too intimidated to go and figure it out for myself. And that was, oh my goodness, that was such a big mistake. I wish I had not ever done that. I wish I had been more brave. Um, so I want you to be brave. My, my program Copy Confidential is a direct result of my experiences as a new writer feeling really intimidated and not knowing how to do stuff. In Copy Confidential, I really break down, here's how to do a white paper, here's how to do a case study, here's how to do an email sequence, here's how to, you know, here's how to do a landing page, here's how to do all this stuff that I didn't know how to do and I was too intimidated to figure out. I don't want that to be used, so I made the thing that I needed, which is what a lot of us do. <laughs> we make the thing that we wish we had. Um, but even if something like that that's really robust is not right for you, don't be intimidated by these new formats. You can always do a practice round. You can always, I would say, I, I have not looked into it myself personally uh, extremely extensively, but I would guess that any type of writing format that you want to get into you can probably find a book about it on Amazon for like $12. Um, I was uh, really interested in writing my first case study. So um, I bought a $20 book on case studies. And, and then I knew how to write a case study. It cost me 20 bucks and the time to read a book to figure out how to write a case study. There are like a bazillion books about how to write sales copy. Um, if you want to learn how to write webinar scripts, get a book. There's a book called Expert Secrets. You can get that. Any kind of writing. I know there are books about white papers. I know there are books about, um, 
I know there are many books about email marketing um, and even like marketing, email marketing by by niche, you know, whether it's e-commerce or info products or whatever. Okay, so it doesn't have to require a massive investment and you don't have to feel stupid for not knowing how to do this stuff. If there's something that you really feel pulling you that you think it might be a good direction, just do yourself a favor and get a book. Your library might even have copies of these books. I know that some of these sales copy books are at my library because I checked them out and I read them from the library. Um, it doesn't have to be this mysterious, elusive thing that is clouded in, you know, secrecy. You just get, it can be as simple as getting a book, <laughs> but get it and then read it and then, and then practice, you know, implement. Um, yeah, that was a big mistake. I turned out, I turned out a lot of really interesting work because I was too intimidated and too cheap, frankly, to figure it out. <laughs> My bad. Oh, I wish I could go back in time and help myself out along. So now I'm helping you. That's the only way that I can. I can't go back in time and help myself. So now I want to help you. Um, okay. So the last major mistake I made that I want to talk about now is um, this applies more when I was kind of, I, I'd gotten some traction. I had some clients. My rates were too low. Um and I was trying to build and I had, I think my son, I was a single mom and I think my, my oldest, he was my only at the time was like two years old and he would, he was too young for preschool at that point. So he was home with me. So my, my days were just absolutely nuts. Um, cause it was just him and me and I was trying to, you know, make it work, living below the poverty line, working all the time. Um, the major mistake I made during that period of my life was, focusing only on client work and not on building my business. So I spent so much time looking for enough client work to get the bills paid that I had I had more client work than I had time for because it all paid so low. And then I didn't have any time to figure out how to improve my skills or improve my marketing ability or to just like go out there and find better clients. Don't do that. Don't focus solely on delivering for your clients and on finding these low paid, um, you know, finding low paid work just to get the bills paid. I mean, it, if it's what you got to do, it's what you got to do. But if there's any way you can avoid it, I recommend you avoid it. <laughs> Getting in that low paying rut where I don't, I don't have enough money to reserve a few hours of my time each week um, to be able to find better work because I need all this cheap work to just to keep the lights on. It, that, you know, one out of 10, do not recommend. Don't be doing that. Um, what I recommend that you do instead is to take a portion, now a small portion, um, of your working time and use it to build your business. Um, I like to talk about the the 90-10 rule, which I think I got from Gina Horky years ago, I think is something that she had mentioned, where she says that 90% of your time that you spend, like 90% of your working hours that you have outside of client work, so meaning like if I have 10 hours of to available to me this week to work and I have two hours worth of client work, then we're talking about eight hours. 90% of those remaining eight hours should be spent actively looking for more clients. And then 10% of those eight remaining hours should be spent doing, you know, other, you know, working on some, a website, or, you know, like building my website or sharing stuff on Twitter or, you know, whatever. <laughs> 
but only 10% is spent on not finding clients. That is how you build your business. Um, once you get some traction and you have some money coming in, um, then building your business means you go to Amazon and you, um, you buy a book and you spend some time learning a new skill. Um, I've heard a few different recommendations. If you're working maybe 30 hours a week or more, the recommendation is that you spend the first hour of your workday only working on stuff for you, whether that's um, practicing a new skill or um, pitching for a new client that you want to get into or something like that. And then you spend the rest of your time working on other people's businesses. Um, which, in, in other words, doing client work. So once your docket is starting to get full, make sure you reserve some time to improve your own business, um, whether that's skills or client load or researching a new niche or whatever you want to do. If you, if the idea of spending an hour a day on that gives you a panic attack because you only have like two hours a day, um, which I can understand because that was me, see if you can spend half an hour, you know, 30 minutes. That's what I would do. I had maybe maybe three hours of work of solid working time a day that I w could pretty well count on and then any other extra time that I could find was sort of like bonus time of those three hours I would take 30 minutes um, and use that time just to improve my skills or to pitch for new clients um, so you can break it out by day another thing that I've heard people do um, and this is something that I've done too I really like this is if you want to be working if you have working hours like five days a week which is what a lot of us tend to think of as a work week um, so if you're trying to get all your freelance work done over the course of Monday through Friday um, then four of those days are for client stuff and one of those days you don't take any deadlines you don't um, you don't Accept anything that requires you to do work for someone else and you reserve that whole day's worth of working hours just for improving your own business. So maybe that means pitching. Maybe that means, you know, reading about how to make a white paper because of the book you just bought on Amazon because you listened to me earlier in this episode and you bought the book. <laughs> maybe it means that's when you have um, like a coffee chat with another freelance writer. Maybe that means um, you plug into whatever your favorite Facebook groups are or favorite writing blogs or newsletters or whatever. And that's when you read that stuff and figure out where, what new direction you want to go. Maybe that's when you focus on building your website um, or planning. If you are doing some content marketing, maybe that's when you um, would do that. If you want to write a new blog post for your blog that's on your website, that's when you do it on that day. Um, but the, the idea is that you reserve that day you know, or you reserve those 30 minutes or that hour each day to focus on your business. You are your client then. And that was something that was really hard for me to do because I felt really, really scarce um, in terms of time and money. And I didn't think I could afford to work on my stuff when I could find another client and work on their stuff and get paid for it. And that was, that was, I understand why I did it and I'm not criticizing myself for making that decision, but I see in, I began to see that it was not, it, that it was going to keep me really stuck for a really long time if I didn't find a way to, um, to switch gears. And so eventually, you know, I got a break and I did and it was great. Um, I had some friends sent me some 
uh, not knowing how struggling, how much I was struggling, um, a couple of folks sent me some referrals that um, were really for big projects. So I was able to kind of focus just on that one project and, and pull back on the other stuff and, and otherwise, you know, right the ship. But if you can avoid digging yourself into that pit, I recommend that you avoid it. Okay, so those are my five mistakes. This podcast episode went a little bit longer than usual, so I'm going to wrap it up very quickly. But thank you for hanging with me, and I'll see you next week. A funny thing happened the other day. I realized that many of my podcast listeners don't know about Clips Camp, so now I'm going to tell you about it. Clips Camp is a three-week course for new and advanced new (laughs) freelance writers who want to get started with high paid client work. If you are on Upwork and miserable, if you're on Fiverr and miserable, or if you haven't even done anything to get started and you don't know what the first step is, Clips Camp is for you. I'm teaching you how to put together a solid portfolio of writing samples that position you as the kind of awesome writer that awesome clients want to hire. So if you want in on that or you just want more information, go to clipscamp.com. And I will see you on the inside.